Section 1 of Narrative of the Life and Adventures of Henry Bibb, an American Slave, written by himself. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. Narrative of the Life and Adventures of Henry Bibb, an American Slave, written by himself. Chapter One. Sketch of my parentage, early separation from my mother, hard fare, first experiments at running away, earnest longing for freedom, abhorrent nature of slavery. I was born May 1815 of a slave mother in Shelby County, Kentucky, and was claimed as the property of David White, Esquire. He came into possession of my mother long before I was born. I was brought up in the counties of Shelby, Henry, Oldham, and Trimble, or, more correctly speaking, in the above counties I may safely say I was flogged up, for where I should have received moral, mental, and religious instruction, I received stripes without number, the object of which was to degrade and keep me in subordination. I can truly say that I drank deeply of the bitter cup of suffering and woe. I have been dragged down to the lowest depths of human degradation and wretchedness by slaveholders. My mother was known by the name of Mildred Jackson. She is the mother of seven slaves only, all being sons, of whom I am the eldest. She was also so fortunate, or unfortunate, as to have some of what is called the slaveholding blood flowing in her veins. I know not how much, but not enough to prevent her children, though fathered by slaveholders, from being bought and sold in the slave markets of the South. It is almost impossible for slaves to give a correct account of their male parentage. All that I know about it is that my mother informed me that my father's name was James Bibb. He was doubtless one of the present Bibb family of Kentucky, but I have no personal knowledge of him at all, for he died before my recollection. The first time I was separated from my mother, I was young and small. I knew nothing of my condition then as a slave. I was living with Mr. White, whose wife died and left him a widower, with one little girl, who was said to be the legitimate owner of my mother and all her children. This girl was also my playmate when we were children. I was taken away from my mother and hired out to labor for various persons, eight or ten years in succession, and all my wages were expended for the education of Harriet White, my playmate. It was then my sorrows and sufferings commenced. It was then I first commenced seeing and feeling that I was a wretched slave, compelled to work under the lash without wages and often without clothes enough to hide my nakedness. I have often worked without half enough to eat, both late and early, by day and by night. I have often laid my wearied limbs down at night to rest upon a dirt floor or a bench, without any covering at all, because I had nowhere else to rest my wearied body, after having worked hard all the day. I have also been compelled in early life to go at the bidding of a tyrant, through all kinds of weather, hot or cold, wet or dry, and without shoes frequently, until the month of December, with my bare feet on the cold, frosty ground, cracked open and bleeding as I walked. Reader, 
believe me when i say that no tongue nor pen ever has or can express the horrors of american slavery consequently i despair in finding language to express adequately the deep feeling of my soul as i contemplate the past history of my life but although i have suffered much from the lash and for want of food and raiment i confess that it was no disadvantage to be passed through the hands of so many families as the only source of information that i had to enlighten my mind consisted in what i could see and hear from others slaves were not allowed books pen ink nor paper to improve their minds but it seems to me now that i was particularly observing and apt to retain what came under my observation but more especially all that i heard about liberty and freedom to the slaves i never forgot among other good trades i learned the art of running away to perfection i made a regular business of it and never gave it up until i had broken the bands of slavery and landed myself safely in canada where i was regarded as a man and not as a thing the first time in my life that i ran away was for ill-treatment in eighteen thirty five i was living with a mr Vyers in the village of newcastle his wife was a very cross woman she was every day flogging me boxing pulling my ears and scolding so that i dreaded to enter the room where she was this first started me to running away from them i was often gone several days before i was caught they would abuse me for going off but it did no good the next time they flogged me i was off again but after a while they got sick of their bargain and returned me back into the hands of my owners by this time mr white had married his second wife she was what i call a tyrant i lived with her several months but she kept me almost half of my time in the woods running from under the bloody lash while i was at home she kept me all the time rubbing furniture washing scrubbing the floors and when i was not doing this she would often seat herself in a large rocking chair with two pillows about her and would make me rock her and keep off the flies she was too lazy to scratch her own head and would often make me scratch and comb it for her she would at other times lie on her bed in warm weather and make me fan her while she slept scratch and rub her feet but after a while she got sick of me and preferred a maiden servant to do such business i was then hired out again but by this time i had become much better skilled in running away and would make calculation to avoid detection by taking with me a bridle if anybody should see me in the woods as they have and asked what are you doing here sir you are a runaway i said no sir i am looking for our old mare at other times looking for our cows for such excuses i was let pass in fact the only weapon of self-defense that i could use successfully was that of deception it is useless for a poor helpless slave to resist a white man in a slaveholding state public opinion and the law is against him and resistance in many cases is death to the slave while the law declares that he shall submit or die the circumstances in which i was then placed gave me a longing desire to be free it kindled a fire of liberty within my breast which has never yet been quenched this seemed to be a part of my nature it was first revealed to me by the inevitable laws of nature's god 
I could see that the all-wise creator had made man a free, moral, intelligent, and accountable being, capable of knowing good and evil. And I believe then, as I believe now, that every man has a right to wages for his labor, a right to his own wife and children, a right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness, and a right to worship God according to the dictates of his own conscience. But here, in the light of these truths, I was a slave, a prisoner for life. I could possess nothing, nor acquire anything, but what must belong to my keeper. No one can imagine my feelings in my reflecting moments, but he who has himself been a slave. Oh, I have often wept over my condition, while sauntering through the forest, to escape cruel punishment. No arm to protect me from tyrant's aggression, no parents to cheer me when laden with grief. Man may picture the bounds of the rocks and the rivers, the hills and the valleys, the lakes and the ocean, but the horrors of slavery he never can trace. The term slave to this day sounds with terror to my soul, a word too obnoxious to speak, a system too intolerable to be endured. I know this from long and sad experience. I now feel as if I had just been aroused from sleep and looking back with quickened perception at the state of torment from which I fled. I was there held and claimed as a slave. As such, I was subjected to the will and power of my keeper, in all respects whatsoever. That the slave is a human being, no one can deny. It is his lot to be exposed in common with other men to the calamities of sickness, death, and the misfortunes incident to life. But unlike other men, he is denied the consolation of struggling against external difficulties, such as destroy the life, liberty, and happiness of himself and family. A slave may be bought and sold in the market like an ox. He is liable to be sold off to a distant land from his family. He is bound in chains, hand and foot, and his sufferings are aggravated a hundredfold by the terrible thought that he is not allowed to struggle against misfortune, corporeal punishment, insults, and outrages committed upon himself and family, and he is not allowed to help himself, to resist or escape the blow which he sees impending over him. This idea of utter helplessness and perpetual bondage is the more distressing, as there is no period even with the remotest generation when it shall terminate. End of chapter 1 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista